How many of you think you got most of those? Just, just okay, good. Good, that's, that's always a really good sign that uh, you can actually figure out what really is going on there. We, uh, we love Easter. You know, one of the things that I always enjoy about being a pastor is getting to, to be a big part of, of Easter weekend in families' lives. And I see so many families taking whole rows and people are coming in. You're going to have a big meal later. I just, I love the whole journey. And so as a family, we always have had a special Easter. Now, as a pastor, one of the things that, you know, you probably know is Easter is a busy weekend. And so Bonnie's always doing a little bit of solo. With, when our three kids were in the house, she was usually alone because I'm out early and, and doing all the stuff that I have responsibilities for. So every year around our birthdays of our children, we have three kids, a son and two daughters. We would always, this is back in the day, you ready for this? We would go rent a video camera. How many of you understand this? You did, this is before cell service, before all this stuff happened. It was $29.99, which broke us. And we would go rent a camera and we would have it for a whole 24 hours. And so we have these videos, these little cartridges like this, with hours and hours of our children growing up two or three times a year. Well, because two of our kids' birthdays are March 31st and April 6th, it's always around Easter. So we have so many of these videos have Easter in it. Well, one of the ones that we were just talking about as a family the other day that just made me laugh was our youngest is Brooke, and her birthday was yesterday, so we were laughing about this. We have a video of her, and it's on Easter morning, and Bonnie's got the camera, and she's, you know, saying birthday, and it's also Easter and all this stuff. And so we've taught our kids from the time they were little, Jesus is alive, that's Easter. What is Easter? Jesus is alive. So we wanted to capture. She's really little. She's young. She's barely walking. And, and she's wandering around. And Bonnie gets the camera, zooms in on little Brookie, and says, Brooke, it's Easter. Tell us what Easter really means. She looks up at the camera and she says, the Easter bunny. <laughs> Basically, we failed as parents. We totally <laughs> failed. A lot of people have their ideas of what Easter really is. Some believe, some don't. A lot of questions around it. So what I, I thought I would do is I would just walk you through. By the way, turn your program over to the back page. You notice anything? Yeah, I gave you a break today. I'm the one who has more blanks than you have time to fill in usually. But I thought I'm going to just back up. We will have some things on the screen. If you want to take notes, write some things down, feel free to do so. But I want to talk from my heart just about this resurrection. There are four main things that I want to say about resurrection. In Matthew chapter 28, this story captures the heart of that morning at the tomb when it's the first time in Scripture that it's recorded that the tomb was empty. Now, something you need to know about this in Jesus' day, women were oppressed. They were not allowed to be educated. It was a terrible day for ladies. Ladies, I'm sorry. Everywhere Christianity went after this resurrection, women were liberated. And it is powerful. That's the history of Christianity. Thank God. But I love the fact that God designed in his plan that the very first people to come to the tomb to recognize that Jesus was alive and had risen from the dead. Guess who they were? Women. And I love that about God. And that's where we pick it up, Matthew 28, verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. 
Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning. His clothing was white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a, a dead faint. They just passed out. They were overwhelmed. Then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. Can you imagine being them? Now, go quickly. Tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. This had to be an incredible, I, I'm sure they just couldn't believe what they were seeing. What is happening? What is going on? Well, when it comes to resurrection, let me just give you four things. Number one, the first one is this. Death is a part of resurrection. We, we really don't like talking about the death of Jesus, but we have to because there is no coming back from the dead unless you're dead. So death is a part of this story. And as you look at it and you read about it, it's a really tough thing that, that happens in the life of Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, I believe, and we just have these plants around. If you've ever been to Jerusalem, you know the Garden of Gethsemane. You can see Jerusalem kind of across the valley and this olive grove. And Jesus goes in there to pray. And I believe it's kind of the first time that Jesus has this daunting awareness that, that he's going to lay down his life. And this is really here. The time is now. He says to his disciples, pray with me. This is really urgent. This is important. And he goes to the garden and he, he starts to pray. And the Bible lets us in on his stress level. He starts sweating. Why? Because he, he's not sure that he wants to take on your sin. Or mine. Or the sins of the world. He actually says to his father, if there's any way that we could, we could find another way to do this, that this cup of sin... That cup of sin is the idea that all of mankind's sin would rest upon Jesus. Why? He's the son of God. He's sinless, but he's fully man. Blood was required for the forgiveness of sin. Jesus would be that blood offered that we might live in forgiveness with God, true right standing with God. This is powerful. Now, Jesus, I don't think he ever questioned his willingness, but he was hoping there would be a different way. I think there began to be a death in him on that day that he recognized how important it was that he had to surrender. He had to submit to his father that this is what would happen. And then they would put him on the cross. You know, death by crucifixion was horrible. Those Romans figured it out. They, not, I'm not trying to be gross here, but like they literally had different tools for different ways to crucify people. They had tools that would pierce you but not kill you and you could bleed out slowly. Uh, the cross was a way that, that they basically crushed your lung cavity by the way they could put you on the cross. And that's why Jesus would have to lift up or he couldn't breathe. This goes on and on. They were really good at being cruel. And Jesus is going to lay down his life on this cross. And then think about what's happening. While he's on the cross, while he's in this pain that he did not deserve, never once did he try to retaliate. <laughs> I mean, if I'm God... And I'm on the cross, and they're hassling me. Uh, 
I can't believe he never, he never once. You know, instead, I mean, they yelled out things. They yelled out things that were not nice. They would say, come down from the cross if you really are the son of God. You know, the sarcasm. Uh, religious leaders would say, well, he saved others. Why can't he save himself? The soldier said, if you're the king of the Jews, why don't you save yourself? Bitter words, especially for someone. You know, I, I, I get offended if someone cuts me off in traffic. How many of you know what I'm talking about? If I was God, you know, I'd be like, fire comes down off the cross. <laughs> you know, or I'd be saying, you just wait, sucker. I'm going to come alive again. I know where you live. No. None of that. That's just not human. You know what that is? That's God. That's the God side of Jesus. Matter of fact, what did he say of all of those people ridiculing him? Remember? Father, forgive them. He says they don't know what they're really saying here. They don't really know. They don't, they don't see that I'm dying for them. And this is necessary. Man, as I look at that, I love what 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23 says. Let me just read this. Listen to this. When they hurled their insults at Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. What needs to die in you? I don't mean physically. I mean emotionally. Anger? Bitterness? Lust, greed, could I just throw it out there? Death could be a very important part of your resurrection today. Because when that old man, when that stuff really dies and you offer it to the Savior, you become new. And he's the only one who can take it and deal with it. Welcome the death of those things that Jesus died for in your life. Let me tell you something else that's a big part of resurrection. Not only is death a part of resurrection, but surprise, surprise is a big part of resurrection. I mean, it took everyone off guard. How, how, go figure. What are the chances? Matter of fact, I love that it's April Fool's Day today. I, I like it. I think God just saying, ha ha, gotcha. People were surprised. They, Jesus had tried to tell them. If you're new to the story, he, over and over, Jesus said, I'm going to rise again on the third day. Be ready. But this, what are the chances of someone dying and coming back from the dead after three days? Zero. I, I, love, you know, I love looking at the odds of different things, like, like the odds of making a half-court shot. You, know, you want to guess what it is? It's about 1 in 50. Now, how many of you, if it's you throwing the basketball, it's worse than that? Okay, okay, that's fair. The odds of making a hole-in-one in golf is 1 in 12,500. The odds of becoming president of the United States is 1 in 10 million. <laughs> I never would want that job. How about you? The odds of winning the lottery, 1 in 259 million. But the odds of someone dying in front of all these people and coming back alive, zero. Unless you're God. He was God. Surprise, 
Didn't see this coming. No, there's no way you could have. We had the advantage 2,000 years later of looking back at history and reading scholars and historians that are not even in the Bible, proclaiming, this guy really walked on the earth. This really happened. There was a lot of controversy about the death and resurrection of Jesus, and yet he showed himself to all these people time after time after he came back from the dead. So it doesn't take a lot of faith to believe if you can believe in history. What it takes is for you to understand why he did it. The surprise is not that he's alive again. The surprise is that he would take my sin. He would take your sin. He would offer his life. He would lay it down so you can start over, so you can have his forgiveness and his cleansing. I love the surprise of Easter. There's another thing. There's another thing that I, I want to talk about with Easter, and that's confusion. You know, confusion is a big part of the Easter story of resurrection because people can't get their head around it. You say, well, it takes a lot of faith to believe that stuff. Kind of, I mean, but not that much, to be honest with you, when you look at history. But regardless, confusion, when I, when I think of confusion, I think of one guy who was a disciple who comes to my mind. Anybody know what he, what he would be? Thomas. Thomas is the one who spoke up. Now, Thomas, matter of fact, what do we call him? Doubting, doubting Thomas. When we get to heaven, we're going to walk up, hey, doubting. <laughs> no, that poor guy got labeled for the rest of his life for just being human. You know, and, and here's what happened. In the story, Jesus appears to the disciples, but Thomas isn't there. How many of you have one of those kind of lives? Yeah. <laughs> the stuff happens, but you're just not there. You're just... Uh, of all the times to miss, have you ever had that regret? Like, why did it happen that time? It's the one time I missed. So they say to Thomas, he's alive. We saw him. I mean, and Thomas basically says, I don't believe you. No way. That's impossible. Um, no one comes alive again. But we saw him, Thomas. I don't care. I've hung around you for a long time. And then Thomas makes this big statement. Until I put my finger in his hands. Why did he say that? He said that because he saw the crucifixion. He said that because he knows this is undeniable that he saw the nail, he saw the sword go in the side, and he knows there's going to be scars there. So that's the best he could do. Unless I see it for myself, I don't believe it. Well, guess what? Jesus hears our doubt. Jesus hears your questions. Jesus is not afraid to come to where you are. So the next time they're all together and Thomas is there, guess who shows up? <laughs> Jesus. He comes right through the door. Hello. And Tom, I mean, I mean I, can you imagine Thomas when Jesus is standing right in front of him? He's going, I mean, I, I, I can't even imagine what he must be thinking. And Jesus looks right at him and says, loser. No, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say that, but he could have. You didn't believe, you have no faith. What's going on with you? I tried to tell you. None of that. You know what Jesus does? He looks him in the eye and he says, here you go. Go ahead and put your hand here. Go ahead and touch. Go ahead and, and, and look and feel my side because you know that happened and you know it's true and now you know me. This is not make-believe. This is real. And Jesus loves to walk into your confusion. Please hear me today. If you don't hear anything else, it could be family. 
I mean, relationships get confusing, some of you. It's tough when you have family gatherings or you're estranged from your kids or your parents or whatever. Just offer that to the Lord. He wants your confusion. He wants to partner with you in this journey. Money can bring confusion. Illness, disease, the things that you're facing right now can bring confusion into your life. And I just want to say, that's part of resurrection. When you recognize that Jesus understands what you face, he understands what is confusing to you, then suddenly you can offer him all of that, and he takes it, and he'll try to give you the answers that make sense to you. Well, there's one more one more thing that I want to say about resurrection, and it's that new beginnings are, are always a part of resurrection. We see it in this story. We see that there's this fresh start. There's this something that happens. Those ladies at the tomb are run off and tell the disciples, and the disciples are not sure. They run back to the tomb. Remember Peter and John? They, they run in and look around. Maybe it is true, and, and now they're on this new journey. Everyone is saying, wow, it's real. This has really happened. What am I supposed to do? You have the opportunity today to have a fresh start. You have an opportunity today to start over. Why? Because of the resurrection. Jesus understands your history. Jesus understands your pain. He understands the mistakes you have made. You know, sometimes in my life, I, I look at the mistakes I've made, the issues in my life, and I just go, oh, I, just need, I just need to start over. Lord, would you help me? And God is the only one who can help you have a fresh start in life. I, I still remember um, a really fun thing that happened in my life with my family. When our kids were little, Bonnie, my wife, was, it was very important to her that all of them and to me had kind of a musical base in their life. And so piano lessons, was re, it was required, right? How many moms know what I'm talking about or dad? It just it was required. So we had a wonderful piano teacher, and they all had weekly lessons, and it was going to be at least for one year, just do this, and, and, and it's turned into a wonderful musical stuff for most of them. But, but I remember going to these recitals where this teacher would invite all of her students from all around the community to a little place that she would rent at CSU, a little recital hall. And we would pull in there, and our kids would be nervous. And I'm talking, you know, chopsticks on steroids here. You know, this is, this is not anything too crazy. But, but it, it, was, it was they had to play in front of people, and, it, and it, was, it was intense. So all the parents are there with their cameras, and we're ready for the recital. And I'll never, ever forget this one little boy. He was so small, I thought, how could he even sit up on the bench? You know, I mean, he's, and he gets up, they call his name, and he's walking like this. He is scared to death. He can hardly move. His motor skills are just shutting down. And I immediately have this, like, sorrow. I mean, I'm sad. I just want to go pick him up and say, come on, let's get out of here, dude. You don't need to do this. I, I'm serious. I'm, I'm emotional when it comes to seeing people in tough situations or it's awkward for them or they're, they're going to be humiliated. And I, I just hate that. So this poor little guy, and I'm sitting there all nervous, and he's walking up to the piano, and he walks really slow, and he sits down and kind of jumps up on the bench. And he puts this music out, turns the page. He's looking at the music. The whole room is freaking out. It's like, don't breathe. It was just this intensity in this moment. And he, you can see him moving his hands around on the keyboard. And finally, he pushes. And, and he, he's got a really bad note with a right one. It's not, it's not what it was supposed to be. 
He knows it. He immediately pulls his hands off and he tries it again and it's, it's bad again. Now everyone is just, how do we get this kid out of here? How do we save him? But I'll never forget what he did. He literally just took his hands off the keyboard and he turned around where we were all sitting and he said, I'm just going to start all over. <laughs> I still remember that kid. And he turned back around and I don't think he made one more mistake that, that whole song. And I was so thankful that he started over. And as I thought about that, even this week, I was thinking about us. The times that I, I'm nervous about this decision or I'm not sure what to do and I made a bad mistake. I played the wrong note. It's a clash with my values. It's not what I really wanted to do. I should have never let those words come out of my mouth. Why did I say that? What was I thinking? I have this hope because of resurrection that I have a Savior who gives me do-overs. He lets me bring my mistakes to him and say, I messed up. And he says, clean. Why don't we start again? I know sometimes we still suffer the consequences of bad mistakes and big decisions. I get that. But with God, you have new beginning every single day of your life. And I want you to know that and some of you need to embrace that. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your truth, for your way, for your forgiveness, for your pardon. We are grateful for that. And we trust you in this moment to be the God who heals and touches us, to be the God who sets us apart. Lord, we believe today and we trust in you. If with heads bowed in these auditoriums, in the south, would you please respond as well? Just right here in our living rooms. If you know that you need a fresh start, if you know that you need to lay that stuff at the feet of Jesus, maybe there's the need for faith to actually believe he died for you. Let's start with that. And you need to confess your sin. Maybe you're separated from God. Right now, would you just pray something like, Lord, I trust you today with my sin. Thank you for the garden when you took that upon yourself and you had that cup of my sin and then you died and you offered your perfect blood to atone, to sacrifice, to be in place of mine. I give you my life now. I want to be clean before you and I want to stand with you. I offer myself afresh. Just do that. Just say that right now. Trust him. We'll help you as a church. We'll put a packet in your hand before you leave today to get you started. We'll put you in some classes. We'll help you in your new journey. The second thing I want to pray over you, for some of you, you love God. Your sins are forgiven. You're in right standing with God. But there's just some stuff in your life that you need to start over with. It could just be habits could be that anger, that temper, that something that you go, I just have a hard time getting this under control and I need to know that today I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to start with a clean, a clean slate and I'm going to trust God to let me start this over. If that's you, would you just say to God, I'm starting over today, Lord. Some of you, your marriages are not going to make it without a fresh start. And don't let the hardness of your heart try to prove that you're right and always making your point. Just stop. 
Surrender to God first. Surrender to one another. Let this day resurrect your marriage. Let this day bring new hope in brokenness. Let this day change the trajectory of your life. Lord, we trust you. We give all this to you in your mighty name. We pray. Amen.